0: Okay, tonight will be your final round of our marriage fun we've been talking about. First night, we picked on the guys. We talked about the roles of a husband. Last week, we talked about the roles of a wife. And I don't know that necessarily any of this is a shock or anything new to any of you, but are you getting anything out of it? I mean, are you taking away from the Word? I mean... It's easy to live in this world and get a real skewed idea of what a marriage is real fast because there's so much wrong out there that becomes normal. And if we're not careful and we don't keep our minds renewed to the word, we'll get caught up in that. And before you know it, you're kind of starting to think wrong, and then you're believing wrong, and then you're in trouble kind of thing, and we can't figure out why things work. So tonight I want to talk to you about something that not a single person in here in their marriage or their relationships for that matter have ever struggled with because we're Christians and we don't, we don't ever do this. But uh, Scott asked me, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight I want to teach you how to fight, right? Every time I do marriage classes, I tell them, cause you know, usually they're in the old honeymoon state of things and everything's just so fun and hunky dory and just in love and it smooths out all the rough edges and you're kind of blinded, so to speak, sometimes. And uh if you think you're gonna go through your marriage and not fight, you're 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 way off. You're you're missing it there. It's just it's just a part of it. You can put two people in a room, no matter who they are, whether they're exactly alike, whether they're complete opposites, whether they're totally in love, or whether they're not. And if you leave them in there long enough, they're gonna fight about something. That's just the reality of it. So it's not like you're not going to get into a dispute or a disagreement of sorts. But what do you do when you do? How do you properly deal with it? What does the word say on the proper ways to deal with it? And that's what we're going to talk about, just communication in general, and then resolving strife and differences and things like that. So we'll start with communication. Um, you know, just Straight up, communication, a lot of times we hear that and we think that's talking, communicating with somebody. But first things first, communication isn't just talking, but obviously listening. And I know this stuff seems very fundamental, but a lot of times we can get ourselves yakking too much and we forget to listen or give the other person an opportunity. And usually in a marriage, one's a talker and the other one's not. you know. And so you get one person doing a lot of the yakking, And the other person maybe never really gets to put much back in. And so, uh, you know, I would probably be the one that's more vocal in our marriage. And uh, I've always got an opinion and an idea which way to go with things. And so I can put that all out there, not ever give her a chance to say anything, and we move on to something else because I'm ready to move on because I'm solved on that. We're good to go. And it turns out that she wasn't ever really in agreement with that. And then I can't figure out when I move forward in it why she's not happy with it, you know. I thought we talked about this. Well, I talked about it. She didn't necessarily talk about it. So it isn't just talking, but it's listening. Communication, a definition for that would be a giving or exchanging of info, or it could be called the art of exchanging ideas. If you think about art, it takes talent. It takes time to learn how to be artistic. You can't just be a Picasso or whatever, you know, and and put out these great pieces of artwork overnight. You know, you've got to learn how to Uh, techniques and different ideas and stuff like that Um, so it's the same thing it's the art of exchanging ideas it's something we learn to do Uh, listening is to hear something with thoughtful intention a lot of times I think we stop with listening and think I heard something that's good enough but it's with thoughtful intention that's true listening uh, not just hearing something and in a marriage you know we should always be striving to be a better listener you know, and that goes for both sides of the party. I mean, it's just, a, again, this isn't huge revelation, but sometimes I think we just don't realize some of the things we're doing, and then we you know, we point out, out in the Word, and hopefully something will strike home with you. Let's go to James chapter 1. We're going to pump through quite a bit of Scripture tonight, because I want you to see from the Word how a lot of the communication should be as our example from God. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce righteousness of God. Obviously, our goal is to mimic God and produce that righteousness, mimic his love. And when we're filling the air full of words and we're not listening, it's hard to do that. You end up... Uh, in wrath and an argument, things can get going when there's a lot of words, so to speak. Proverbs 18:13 says, "He who answers a matter before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him." That's where I do real well sometimes. I get the first few sentences from her, and I'm like, "Okay, here's your fix. Move on." I don't want to listen to the rest of the story. I got, I got your fix, you know. And and guys can be like that. A lot of times, we want to fix things and make it right, and sometimes. They're not even looking for a fix. It's not not that they're looking for a fix. They just want to get it out there and talk to somebody about it and and things like that. And so, <clears throat> again, it's if you don't hear the matter out first, it can be end up being to your shame and your own folly kind of thing. You know, don't finish their sentences. Don't put words in their mouth. So, you know, the number one thing about communication is it's not just talking, but it's listening. The second thing, and probably one of the most important things, and where we probably spend a lot of our time tripping up, is timing. Uh, Proverbs 15.23. Let's just read that first, and then we'll break down timing. Timing has a lot to do with your ability to communicate properly. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man has joy... By the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in its due season, or in other words, in proper timing, how good is it? Don't fall into the trap, especially in our society. It's so easy to get caught up with. We've got to have instant results, and we need to fix and figure this out right now. Guess what? It'll be there tomorrow. So don't rush your conversations. Don't rush your disagreements. And push right on past them, not truly effectively dealing with them, because it'll end up catching up with you. You know, you need to take time to sit down and discuss. You know, not everything's going to require a meeting where you got to sit down and discuss it. But uh, if you're on your way to church, <laughs> that's probably not the time to bring up the fact that your kid got in trouble how you going to deal with it and then before you know it you two are mad and screaming at each other and you didn't have enough time to talk it out and so now you're in church and you're mad and that's all you're thinking about you know i mean that's obviously just one example but it's so easy to do that you're passing by running an errand or something you see each other you got one two minutes so you bring up a huge issue because you want to get that going and we need an answer right now don't get caught in that don't bring up the huge issue if you don't have time to discuss it you know save that one for later um you know, if it's and if it requires it, schedule a time. I mean, I, I we live in such a society that everything is so fast and moving so fast, and our time is consumed greatly. And you got to be careful not to fall into that. And you need to take time to sit down. And sometimes you got to pencil it in if that's what it requires. That's what it requires. So what? At least then you know that when you sit down, we're going to get this thing resolved, and we're going to take the time to communicate it out properly. <clears throat> we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into like the how to fight right. That's kind of, just when I said that to you, I thought that's a pretty good title. We should I should have called it how to fight right. But anyway, the third thing about communication, and this is so basic, but I think sometimes so missed, and that's just honesty. In a marriage, there is no such thing as lying. There should be zero lies period did you get that let me say it again in a marriage there should be zero lies period that's not how you behave i mean the word of god instructs us to never lie to our neighbor well why would you lie to your spouse then you know what i mean there should just be nothing like that and i've heard a lot of people use this and especially with their kids and stuff and i have a hard time swallowing the pill and maybe it's just because i don't have kids yet so i don't understand but uh it's just a little white lie uh it still ends in the word lie and there's a whole bunch in the scripture about the word lie and it doesn't bring god any satisfaction so we need to just that's it that doesn't exist you don't lie yeah, you might have made a mistake that's going to get you into an argument. You don't want to fess up and it'd be easier just to move on. But that's not thats not how this works. And, and in a marriage relationship, there shouldn't be hidden things between each other. We talked about the roles of a husband and the roles of a wife, and both of them are to be your best friend. Well, your best friend you don't keep secrets from. you know. In today's society, they teach you to hide and cheat and deceive and you know, and, and be dishonest about things. And that's, and you see it so much from so many people that are in these high up positions that you think are supposed to be our role models. And, and no wonder why kids are like that too. You know, they're, they're seeing that and they're learning that. And so you need to be that example. And if they see you keeping things or you're telling your kid, well, let's, let's not tell dad. Mm, I don't know if that's a good example either. You know what I mean? So. I'm sure I'm stomping on some toes, and that's fine and dandy, but, you know, there really shouldn't be any deceit whatsoever. And uh, withholding the truth, I'm just not going to say anything. We just won't talk about that. I won't bring it up, then I don't have to lie about it. Well, withholding the truth is just a fancy word for deception, which uh, is a fancy word for deceiver, which is a fancy title for who? Not God. (laughs) So don't be like him. You know, we want to be truthful. We need to be honest. Like I said, zero lies in a marriage relationship. There should just, I mean, it shouldn't even be an option, period. that will keep you out of a lot of trouble. Say what you mean and mean what you say. I know, again, these are all simple things, but I think they're easily things that we kind of skip around on and whether or not we truly do it. But if you say something, mean it. And if you mean something, say it, you know. Uh, James five 12. let's just look at that one real quick We're gonna jump back and forth a whole bunch here tonight You've heard this scripture a million times before I'm sure but But, but above all my brethren do not swear either by heaven or earth or whether uh, Or with any oath But let your yes be yes and your no be no Lest you fall into judgment Say what you mean, mean what you say, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Again, straightforward, be honest, and just say it like it is. You know, we should be able to have that open communication like that, and there's not hidden meanings. Um, Which leads right into, you know, you see all the jokes about, uh, and I'm not necessarily trying to pick on women, but a lot of times the little things that you see will say about how a woman... Says this, but this is what she means. Or if she says this, this is actually what she means. You know, lots of jokes about that kind of stuff. Did you know that uh, 7% of communication is done with words? Just a mere 7%. 35% is done with tone. And 58% is done with body language. So your words really aren't holding a lot of weight if your tone's wrong or, yeah, no, that's fine, do what you want. Yeah, that's not what you meant, <laughs> you know. We shouldn't have to be like that. You have to use such strong tones to convey a completely different message or confusing message and things like that. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it's, and it's just that simple. The fourth thing that you want to do when it comes to communication, and again, this is a, not an all-inclusive list, but we're going to hit some highlights here, is you want to eliminate criticism and blame and instead, edify. Eliminate criticism and blame. And instead, edify. So what's pastor been talking about on Sunday mornings a lot? Speaking blessings. Yeah, the spoken blessing. you know, The blessings of God and speaking and the importance of words, the weight of words. Uh, he's been hanging on Proverbs 18:23 or 21. Now I'm drawing a blank. Here is one of my favorite scriptures, and I love the way the Message Bible has said it. It's, I've, I've always liked that scripture, but words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose. And the, the New King James goes on to say, and those that love its fruit will eat of it. If you're not speaking truthfully, other people can hear that and get a hold of that fruit. And eat of it and be deceived or screwed up right with you kind of thing. So our words are important. Not only do they affect us, but they can affect other people via life or death. And it's the same thing with criticism and blame. You know, it's easy and everybody always wants to point a finger. And I see this everywhere. I mean, uh, We'll pick on Mead, for example. I've go in there sometimes, and something don't come in right. Well, no, it was this guy. No, that guy didn't order it. Oh no, the yard guys put it over there. No, this guy did that. And no, they told me to do this, and it's it's just a blame game. And I really don't care. I just want an answer. What's going on? Don't point a finger at somebody. I don't care who did what. We just need results here, and and uh, it's easy to get into that and get caught up with that. And if you screwed up, you screwed up. Have you ever noticed when? Let's say your spouse screwed up, and you and you've been thinking about it, and the more you think about it, the madder you get, and you're ready for that good fight, and you're thinking, man, I just can't wait to get home. I've got I've got these five points that I can't wait to say. They're just perfect lines to stick it in and turn the knife a little bit, you know. And you get all wound up and ready to go, and you go home, and then they just come clean and straight apologize, and it just shuts the whole works down. You ever had that happen? Maybe not. No. <laughs> She's always ready to fight back, right? <laughs> but have you ever noticed, if, if you do have something, a bone to pick, and maybe it's not your spouse, but somebody, you know, I've had that with, I'll say it again with mead. I've gone in there, and I'm ready to just scream and holler and chew someone's butt up one side and down the other because I'm mad. And I go in there, and, one of, and my salesman or somebody will come up and say, look, man, I just flat screwed up. Here's what I did. Here's what I did wrong. Here's what I'll do to fix it. I'm done. Ruined my fun. And what can I say now? You know, it's not going to be near as much fun. He already knows he screwed up. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, so eliminate criticism and blame. Instead, we need to edify. I'm going to read three scriptures. You can jump along with me if you want. These three scriptures, I think, perfectly say what this is all about. So Romans fourteen thirteen is the first one. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block, I'm sorry, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. In other words, resolve their differences. Don't throw stuff out there that's just going to make it harder and cause them to trip up even more. First Thessalonians 5. And you can follow along if you don't want to flip too much. First Thessalonians five verse eleven, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Again, there's nothing about criticism and blame in there, but we're to comfort and edify one another. And then 1 Peter chapter three verse nine. This one says, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So not only are we called to be a blessing and to speak forth blessing, like pastor's been talking about, we're called to that. But in doing so, you yourself will inherit a blessing back. And so if we don't look to... Uh, tear someone down and criticize and blame, but instead we'd be a blessing, simple, you reap what you sow, you'll get that back in times where you have screwed up and you make a mistake, you'll receive that back and it'll be a blessing to you. So, again, eliminate criticism and blame and instead edify. Okay, so we're going to move on to the resolving differences or eliminating strife, or in other words, how to fight right. All right, so strife, the lovely word strife. Do you know what the root of literally all strife is? What causes it? Anybody have an idea? Pride. You might be like, hmm, and then you start thinking about it, and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense there, that makes sense there, and the more you spend time thinking about it, it's like, yeah, I'm right, and you're wrong, and here's why, you know, It's coming from a prideful sense. Now, sometimes you might be right, and they might be wrong, but if it's causing strife, you're wrong too, you know, and that's because pride is getting in the way. Pride is what what causes strife. Proverbs 13.10 says, by pride comes nothing but strife, period. If you're going to walk in pride and you're going to be a proud person, you're going to You're going to find yourself in a lot of arguments and fighting with a lot of people because you're always trying to get your way or you're always trying to prove why you're right. And again, you might be right, but if if being right is one thing, but being a proud right person will lead to strife every time. I want to read James 4, verse 1 out of the Message Bible. And this, this sums it up perfect. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? think again, they come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. I thought, man, that says that perfect. Where do wars, strifes, arguments, and everything come from? They don't just happen. It's because we fight to have our own way. We want our way, and I'm right because kind of thing. There's many different ways that you can react to strife. See if you can find your category here. The first one would be ignore it or avoid it. The old sweep it under the rug method. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to get away from this situation. Has anybody ever done that? I'm sure we've all done it at times. We just kind of try to skirt away or come up with some excuse or fake a phone call maybe. I don't know. Whatever it is. That's what I I need. Why don't they make these things with a button on the side that you can fake a ringer? You know, that way you don't you can get yourself out of those sticky situations. But anyway, probably wouldn't help. Ignore it or avoid it. Change the subject, whatever you do. You know, we find a way to get off of it and get away from it and hope we never have to come back to it. Another way you can react to strife is become withdrawn or silent. I don't know. I would probably be risky to say that I think maybe this one's more of a characteristic of the female category by chance. Maybe, maybe not. And maybe it's just my wife because, again, I'm doing all the talking and the screaming and the hollering and she's just sitting there. But you you clam up. You don't say nothing. You just hold it all in. You know, you're, you're, you're just being quiet. You aren't saying nothing. You aren't voicing your opinion. The third one is you can pout. You can cry. You can whine. You can throw a fit, hopefully to get your own way. Sometimes that works, you know. What are you laughing at, Amy? Is that your method? <laughs> that's Nate's method. There we go. All right. Well, now, here we go. Starting to get real in here now. Anyway, you know, that's just another method. You get in an argument, you just start sobbing and crying and pouting and throwing a fit, you know, and that's that's not going to resolve anything either. Or you can do it my way. I'm talking about me. This is my way. Become harsh, angry, or raise your voice. Scream and holler. You know, that's a good method, right? I don't know if I do so well, I I don't usually get into the old screaming and hollering thing. I think I've, I don't know, maybe she'd say something different. I think I do pretty good about that, but uh, become harsh and angry, I can do that real well. That's my way of reacting with strife. But again, then you start spouting out all kinds of words, and you get that out there, you can't get it back. It's done. It's over. Now it's out there, and a little later when you finally calm back down and you get your head back on straight, you're like, Oh, crap. Now i got a bigger problem to deal with, you know. So, again, there's lots of different ways to react to it, but they're not necessarily good ways to deal with it. So I'm going to give you uh, basically three ways to deal with strife from the word of God and what's the right methods to use. The first one's communication. And we've already talked about that, how to communicate properly. Let me read this to you. A peaceable, reasonable conversation will bear much fruit in your situation. A peaceable, reasonable conversation will bear much fruit in your situation. Again, you're you're not thinking smart or straight if you think you're never going to get into a fight with your spouse. That's going to happen. You're going to find situations that are going to give you an opportunity to get into a dispute and to get in an argument or just disagreeing. You know, a disagreement you could call an argument because it, that's where it ends up leading to because you're rubbing against each other trying to decide what's right, what's wrong here, and who's, who is right. But you can have a peaceable, reasonable conversation about it where you sit down, you, you, know, you take your time, and you sit down, and you talk it out and figure it out properly. And that's the second one, timing. Again, we just talked about that. Timing is so important in an argument. You can't just deal with some things on the spot. You've got to have proper time to get it talked out, to give each other an opportunity to uh, to spit out what it is. Again, you can't control the timing of an argument. Those things are going to come up wherever they come up. And they always come up at the best times. Usually, like I said, on the way to church, that's the best time for it. Isn't it ironic that you know I tried to have arguments with my wife these last couple of weeks Well, of course we're talking about marriage we're talking about how to deal with the rights so perfect opportunity to get into strife before i go talk about it and try to be an example fail anyway timing you can't you can't control when it's going to happen but you can control the timing of when you're going to sit down talk it out discuss it so in the meantime agree to disagree as they say there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you're sweeping it under the rug. That just means you're going to be wise about it. And when you're hot-headed about it, you're not going to deal with it. You know, if if sometimes people just have bad days. And if I'm out and I have a bad day, I come home. She knows it. She knows it right away. And she's told me several times how she'll save some conversations then for the next day. Oh, well, I didn't want to talk to you about this yesterday because I knew you were kind of having a bad day. Well, Good call. Because I'm sure I know how I would have reacted. Let's see, what was that called? Harsh, anger, things like that. Loud words, lots of words. So, you know, it's just smart. You know, just behave wisely in it, you know, and pick your timing on it. When you do sit down, attack the problem, not each other. Remember what the issue is at hand. It's so easy to start doing the old point and finger thing again in the blame game and you're sitting there screaming at each other and blaming each other and really what you're mad about is the situation that you're dealing with, whatever it might be. And it may be something that neither one of you did, but it's just something you've got to deal with, an issue at hand. Maybe it's about a kid. Maybe it's about something at work. Maybe it's about another church member that's bugging the crap out of you. Ha uh-huh. ha, we don't have that problem here, right? Anyway, so attack the problem, not each other. Make statements of facts, not accusations. Again, these are all simple things, but when we get into the heat of the moment, sometimes they come out a little bit different. The third thing, offer solutions, not criticisms. This is another reason to use timing. It gives you a chance to cool off, start thinking straight, and come up with solutions, okay, how are we going to deal with this problem at hand, whatever it might be that's coming against you, you may be, maybe a vehicle broke down, and you're not sure how to pay for it, what are we going to do, how are we going to get to work, how are we going to get the money saved up to pay for this thing, you know, you know, probably the biggest thing that couples fight about is money, I mean, I'm sure you can completely agree with that, even when you've got money, and you're doing okay, you still fight about money, even if you're not in a pinch or a pickle. It seems like that's always the topic, you know. There's been times and seasons when we're doing just fine, and something comes along that we want to to spend the money on, and we fight about it. Oh, we're not going to do this, we're going to do that, you know, whatever it might be. That's probably going to be the number one thing you're going to deal with. So, again, um, this Make a time to sit down and properly discuss that thing, whatever it is that you're dealing with. And, again, that will give you a chance to come up with some solutions and not just criticisms where we start picking on each other and then trying to figure out a way to take this problem and blame somebody for it. You know, you know we wouldn't have this problem, but you wouldn't ramrod on the car or drive it through the ditch or whatever. You know, we find a way to make this problem somebody's fault. Because we want to blame somebody. We want to have a reason why this went wrong and and this problem's against us. And it doesn't do you any good. That doesn't solve it whatsoever. And then definitely no ultimatums. Do this or else. That is just basically flat childish behavior, (laughs) for lack of a better way to put it. Ultimatums don't solve nothing. They're not going to get you anywhere. They're just going to get you more strife. They're just going to get you more problems. But we need to offer solutions, you know. That's what God does for us. We've got all kinds of problems, every one of us. The biggest problem we had was a sin problem that was keeping us out of heaven. So what did God do? He didn't blame somebody. He didn't criticize. He didn't tell me that you're no good, worthless, blah, 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 you're out of here. Or he didn't say, no, do this or else. Did he? Not once. But he offers a solution. And it's the same thing with every issue that you come across. Every time we screw up and we make a mistake, we got a problem and we flat miss the mark, we go to God. He doesn't hit us over the head or bring an ultimatum to us, but he gives us a solution. Okay? Repent. Do this. And you'll be fine. Every time. So that's our goal is to mimic God and to become more like him all the time. And, again, I'm sure we've all failed on all of these somewhere along the way in our marriage. You know, probably a lot of it happens more in the beginning when you're younger and things like that. But it's still going to have plenty of opportunity and plenty of reasons to fight. Okay, I want to read to you in closing here out of the good old marriage book. Because I think this does a really good job of laying this out. So I'm just going to read this to you so you can sit and listen for a moment. But it gives us four things to do when you get to that moment, when here comes the argument. And here comes the thing you're going to fight about, or you've got to get figured out. Maybe it's not even, I mean, I shouldn't keep using the word fight or argument, but just a a disagreement of sorts that comes along, okay? So we're not on the same page here. What do we do? And here's, here's the four things they throw out. One, don't let strife accelerate. How easy is that to do? You start getting going. And then you start throwing a few of them words out there, and that felt pretty good. And that made me feel a little better. I'm going to throw a few more out there. And before you know it, it's a screaming, holler and smash, snot's flying the whole nine yards. So don't let strife accelerate. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Proverbs 21.23, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. When you get in an argument, quit thinking straight. Your mind's all messed up. Your feelings get hurt. It you just, you know, just brings all of that stuff right into your soul. Proverbs ten nineteen: In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Like I said, you get into that and you just start spouting it out, and then out comes all these sinful things that we'll regret later and don't produce any fruit. So don't let strife accelerate. Number two, go to your separate corners to cool off. And pray. Proverbs 16.32 says. He who is slow to anger. Is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit. Than he who takes a city. I think that's excellent scripture. You know. You can be a strong guy. And you can win a lot of fights. Physically. By knocking someone over the melon If you want to get in a dispute with a buddy or something. But wisdom truly is. Learning how to control the tongue. Bite the lip. And figure out a way to bring a resolution. To the table. Number three, read the word. See if you can find an answer. Guess what? There's an answer to every single problem you have right here. Guarantee it every time. You will find something in here that answers what you're dealing with. Every time. And maybe you can't find one. That's where number four comes in. In times of peace, agree that you will seek godly counsel at times of impasse. Maybe you don't know what the answer is, what you're dealing with. That's why we go to church. That's how it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. We need each other. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been able to bounce ideas off of people. I don't know how many times I've gone to pastor and told him what's going on. And he shares a word in season or at least prays with me and, and I, I have peace now. You know, and, and uh, <clears throat> especially us younger ones have an opportunity maybe with some older ones. Guess what? They've been there and done that you're a fool if you don't use their wisdom. You know Why learn it all over yourself, in my opinion? So it's a good opportunity, and that's what the church is all about. That's another reason why we get together. We become a family, and you can go to your family, and you can talk to them about it. And you can share your concerns and your ideas and your thoughts and your problems, and and, and we should be willing to help each other. Share scripture. Hey, I went through this same thing. Here's what I did. This didn't work. This did work, you know, and share share with each other proverbs eleven fourteen says in the multitude of counselors there is safety and proverbs 24 6 says for by wise counsel you will wage your own war and in a multitude of counselors there is safety so that's the reason for church that's the reason we have an opportunity to get together we can talk these things out because maybe you don't know the answer or maybe you don't know in scripture where to even begin to look this is a new problem you've never dealt with you know That's what we're here for. That's why we have each other. So again, let me summarize this as we close it out. Communication, number one, isn't just talking. Number two, requires timing. Number three, honesty. We have to have honesty in our marriages or in our relationships, period. And number four, eliminate criticism and blame. Instead, edify. And when it comes to fighting, to fight right, Keep in mind that pride is kind of the ruling factor in that. One, or I'm sorry, The let me go to the second page here. I didn't realize I didn't have that. Ways to deal with it is one, communication. Two, again, timing. Those two tie hand in hand. And we need to offer up solutions, not criticism. So hopefully you got something out of this. I'm sure, again, especially some of you seasoned ones have have... Been there, done that, dealt with this. But again, I just think, especially with so much of the redefining of marriage and things like that, or that it's taking place. Not that, that that this totally applies to that, but it's so easy to hear so much out there. Or you can take your problems to the wrong people, like we talked about, go to godly counsel. If you take it to an unbeliever, That's not good. You're not going to probably end up with good advice. You know, there's some wise people out there. Don't get me wrong. But you can get some really screwed up advice, and then you wonder why you're all messed up. You didn't go to the Word. You know, the Word will bring you a a resolution every time, and it will bring you a good fruit every time. And so, again, I I see so much of this stuff out there, and I see such a skewed idea of what marriage is what the man's supposed to be like, what the wife is supposed to be like, and how you're supposed to deal with things. And if if he tells you this and says that to you, you just need to leave him. Get rid of that dirt bag. He ain't good enough for you. No, that's not how this works. We need to resolve our differences. We need to deal with that strife and get it worked out and get it fixed. And and that's God's will for us. Again, if you thought you were going to have a perfect marriage and never get into a fight, sorry, which I'm sure all of you have <clears throat> Caleb's the only one that's still in la-la land and just everything's lovey-dovey. <laughs> yeah, he just he just gave himself a two-hour gap. That's how he deals with his problems. His communication problem. And then he doesn't go with a smartphone, so he can blame it on his dumb phone that it didn't ring. I'm sorry, I didn't get your call. No. Anyway, you two have the most unique relationship I've ever seen. I don't know how. Neither one of you puts up with each other. But anyway... <sighs> That's a whole nother subject. So hopefully you got something out of this. Hopefully you can take some things away and apply it. Go to the word. Don't go to the world, I guess, is basically what I'm saying. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word always provides us a solution, always provides us a way out, always provides us with an answer, Father. And we just thank you that we have your word, that we can put our trust in, we can put our faith in. And I thank you, Father, that you watch over that word to perform it. I thank you, Father God, for all the marriages within Harvest Church. I call them strong. I call them healthy. And I thank you, Father, that they they go to your word and they go to you, Father God, when when they come to those impasses and they come to those problems, Father. I thank you, Lord, that they go about it with peace and unity in Jesus' name. And strife they do not allow, but they bind it up and cast it out in Jesus' name. So we thank you, Lord, for these marriages. I declare they are blessed in Jesus' name, whole and healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.